there is a lid for every pot. And so what we think is on trend for one person is not necessarily on trend for another. It's not necessarily always about winning. It's about just knowing that I've put my absolute best into it and that I've given my all. And sometimes you have to look for the signs and accept that, okay, it's not what you want it to be, but maybe it's going to take you somewhere where you didn't expect to go. Welcome to the Seize the Yay podcast. Busy and happy are not the same thing. We too rarely question what makes the heart sing. We work, then we rest, but rarely we play and often don't realise there's more than one way. So this is a platform to hear and explore the stories of those who found lives they adore. The good, bad and ugly, the best and worst day will bear all the facets of seizing your yay. I'm Sarah Davidson, or Spoonful of Sarah, a lawyer turned fun entrepreneur who swapped the suits and heels to co-found Matcha Maiden and Matcha Milk Bar. Seize the Yay is a series of conversations on finding a life you love and exploring the self-doubt, challenge, joy, and fulfillment along the way. Lovely neighborhood. We're back into our regular recording schedule and I'm so pumped to have an epic guest for our first episode back. I had the privilege of sitting down with Delene Lewis, a real estate mogul and star of Lux Listings Sydney. Many of you have probably already binged the first two seasons of this incredible show, giving you a behind the scenes look at the ins and outs of one of the most cutthroat real estate markets in the world and some seriously insane properties. And today we are celebrating the release of season three, which is now available from today, September 30th, on Prime Video. Delene is a powerhouse in so many ways. Not only is she widely considered one of Australia's leading real estate agents with 30 years of experience under her belt, she was also a single working mother of two at the time of recording and in the week since we recorded has become a mother of three at, get this, 50 years old. But in what you know is my favorite kind of Parthier, she never expected to become a mother of three, a celebrity real estate agent, or a TV show star. In fact, she spent her earlier years in Johannesburg before moving to Blacktown in Sydney and had never even heard of Double Bay, where she is now based for her work, until she applied for a PA job she saw in the newspaper with Lang and Simmons as a 20-year-old. Now she is a part owner and on the board of that very same real estate agency and absolutely tearing it up in the real estate market on our screens. I'll let Delene tell you the rest herself, but what an incredible Parthier from Blacktown to Bondi and beyond. Don't forget to tune in to Lux Listing Sydney Season 3 from today on Prime Video. The link is in the show notes. Delene, welcome to Seize the Yay. Thank you, Sarah. Nice to be here. Oh, it's such a pleasure. I have been watching the show, like just consuming it incessantly, and I'm so excited to be sitting here with you to get to pick your brain the best in the business. Thank you so much for making time. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. (laughs) As you may or may not know, before we kick off, I'd love to start firstly with everyone's story and all the dots that connect in their life before the chapter that we walk in on. But I think one of the most exciting parts of this show is the opportunity to just ask what the most relatable and normal thing about you is. And particularly as someone who, I mean, you've literally just walked in from a $60 million listing, you're on television, you're at the height of what looks glamorous and polished on the outside. I'm sure there's so much that's just normal and relatable about you that we can easily forget. So what's something really normal? (laughs) Okay. So something... Obviously, because I've got the two kids, it's um, 
I, I say I'm built for comfort, not for speed. You know, people go, oh, what are you wearing? I wear what I need to do to get the kids to school in the morning, pick them up from school in the afternoon, take them to the park in the afternoon and still look kind of professional at work. And I think the most relatable thing about me is I actually like to take the mickey out of myself. I love having a good laugh. I've got a really dirty sense of humour. I guess it's <laughs> being brought up in the real estate world with all boys, you know, so you kind of learn to sink or swim. But I have a terrible taste in jokes, an awful sense of humour and a really potty mouth. <laughs> Sorry, oh my gosh. mom. <laughs> I love that so much. Well, you've got to keep up in the boys' club so you can wear the heels. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. And you mentioned, I mean, you're already a mum, but you've got, you're literally about, pretty much about to give birth to the third. Is that right? I'm about to pop any minute. Yeah. And you're still at work and you're still smashing it. I don't know how you fit it all in, honestly. I also have. <gasps> comfort, not speed. <laughs> around the office zippers. So, but when I'm out, it's just, it helps. It's kind of like my armor as well. It makes me forget that I'm pregnant. So, when I'm in work, I'm at work, I'm in my heels. When I go home, all my jewelry comes off, my hair goes up, I'm in mum mode, you know, and I get, I have said this before, I forget when I'm at work that I'm pregnant because you're on the phone, you're making calls, you're going to show properties, thank God I've had a healthy pregnancy, but when I'm at home, it's kind of like my haven, so that's kind of when I let it all hang out and I just <laughs> meet, you know what I mean, so, and I'm, I'm the mum to my girls and everything else kind of gets left behind, and then when I put them to sleep, I'm back to work mode again, so from 9 to 11 or 12 o'clock, then I'm just kicking back into work mode because that's when, you know, like last Sunday night, not this one, Sunday past one before, I put the kids to sleep and I went to Point Pipe and exchanged a $30 million deal and I was there with them <laughs> till 11.30 and I said to them, be warned, my hair's up, I'm in my tracky dacks, I'm looking pretty scary, but guess what? I've got a contract for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's probably very reassuring for all our listeners that the armour does come down every now and then, that you do switch between modes and it's not always the polished, always beautiful Delene we see all the time. <laughs> not always pretty, but it's real, you know, and I think that's the thing that my clients love about dealing with me is that it's not this whole ego-based thing. It's like I'm here doing work. And you as my clients are the people that have made me over 30 years and I respect that and I honour that and I don't want to be the conversation. Mm. I work to be the conversation and I really strive for that. You know, I want people to say, oh, my gosh, she works so hard. She's amazing. Not, oh, God, did you see what she was wearing today? Do you know what I mean? Like that should never be the conversation. I think and as women you have to be aware of what you portray I'm wearing low-cut tops or short skirts. That's going to take away from the conversation about my excellent work or my brain or whatever. And I say to my girls, it's just you, you, you don't want what you're wearing to be the conversation. You want it to be about your work. And that's where as women we have to think about that. We have to think about your career, babies. Men don't have to think about that. They're just going, to <laughs> you know, whatever. They have babies until they're 90. We have to think about things that boys do not have to think about. And so, you know, you have to run three times as hard to be taken just as seriously, which sometimes is to give me the shits now just as I use it as my driver, use it as my mm. driver. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. Because when you do get to have your results, 
you know how much work has gone into that. So rather than getting bitter and twisted about it, you just use it as positive fuel to drive you further, faster, longer, and the results are so much more exciting when you get them because you know how much it's taken you personally to get there, you know? Sometimes I wish it was a bit easier, but, you know. That's something I, I love about your journey so much is that it has been, I mean, you're an incredible role model for women working in a very male-dominated environment. It's funny you were, you know, talking about men having babies until they're 90. I actually don't doubt that you would probably be, of all women, the one who's able to do that too because you're about to have your third baby at 50, which is in itself quite a miracle. Yeah, but you've, yeah. you really have been defying the odds since the beginning of your career and I think it would be very easy to watch Lux Listing Sydney and see you closing these deals and think she was born into real estate or she already was, you know, networking in these circles. But mm. I love how you refer to yourself. You've gone from Blacktown to Bondi. Yeah. Like you, grew, you grew up in Joburg. Like yeah. it wasn't a smooth pathway and it never is. So oh. the first section of the show is always the pathway from childhood to show that, you know, very few people have the pathway you expect and most of the time it's not an easy, straightforward you know, direction to get there. So yeah. can you take us back to young you, to your childhood and how you really have paved the way with just incredible hard work and sheer determination to get here? Yeah, and it's funny because I never looked at where I was and said, one day I'm going to live here or one day I'm going to own this. That was never my aspiration because you're born, like we were born in a, an apartheid-driven South Africa where we yeah. were labelled by the colour of our skin and your education was based on the colour of your skin. Like my dad wanted to be a doctor and he was allowed to because he was a dark human being. And he said to me that the reason they wanted us to leave South Africa was he didn't want us to be colour conscious. He didn't want us to look at someone and say they're black, they're white, whatever. He wanted mm. us to look at people and say they're kind or, okay, she's got long straight hair rather than the colour of her skin. And, you know, and I teach my kids, we're all the same colour inside, you know, and it is so important because he wanted us to be able to reach for the stars or not, whatever, but that is our choice based on what's inside of us rather than the colour of our skin. And I think that's a really important thing that he has driven into me. It is not what's on the outside that counts. It's what's on the inside that matters. And that mm. has been my my thing that's I think what's made me successful in real estate is that I don't judge. I don't care what you're wearing. I don't care where you're living is that we just need to be kind to each other and respect each other. So that was a lesson from the, the Joburg days. Then we moved to I think I was 10 years old when we moved to Australia and, you know, we lived in Hornsby, then we lived in Blacktown and that was kind of, you know, where I grew up. And then when I was 18, I moved to Bondi with my boyfriend. I was 18. He was a DJ. It was all the naughty <laughs> things that you shouldn't be doing. That's exactly what I did. Thank God there wasn't any social media there. And so we did that. And then I answered an ad for a PA to the director of sales when I was 20. Then I just got into real estate. So I didn't have any dreams or aspirations. Like I went to a seventh-day adventure school and, their whole thing was, you know, you got married, you had kids, you stayed at Seventh-day Adventist. My parents are still Seventh-day Adventists and I love them. And I think I just fell into real estate and I really loved it. I didn't even know where Double Bay was. <laughs> I was just like, okay. But what I did like is that once I got into it, I loved it, right? And then I started thinking, 
I want to be rich. I want to, you know, and that lasted for a few years. And then I realized that the, the thing that was driving me was not about being rich. It was the thrill of actually being able to prove people wrong. They said I couldn't be a girl in real estate. They couldn't be successful in real estate because I was a girl. And I've said that. I, was, I thought, that's bullshit. You know, it shouldn't matter. And I think that was my main driver is that I just did anything in terms of the sales perspective to make people remember me. And so I would work seven days a week. If someone asked me for a gardener or anything, I would just be that person that gave it to them and worked for them, and I really enjoyed it. And so that is still my driver. So I sold a place last week for, you know, just under 30. The same week I sold something for $1.4 million to a client that I'd actually sold it to 20 years prior. Oh, and, my gosh. Yeah. And it was, it's really cool because, you know, you, those kind of things are really meaningful because it's not about the money. The money is a byproduct of doing something that I really, really love. It's just being called back and saying, hey, you know, because there's so many more real estate agents now than there were before. There's so many. And there's no loyalty really. But if they see that you're working really hard and you've got results and you're doing it in an authentic way, then they're the more likely to reach for you. And that is really meaningful. Yeah. And I think one of the things that becomes clear in this section for, in fact, most people who are living a really fulfilling life is that at some point their driver has started as a financial-based metric of measuring their life and success, Mm -hmm. but eventually that wears off. Like that only drives you for so long before something else takes its place. And I think what's really interesting is often the conversation these days has become very much about, are you passionate? Like is the fire in your belly to do, but you didn't necessarily go into real estate because you saw it and you were like, I'm passionate about real estate. I actually love that sometimes just being underestimated can be your driver. Sometimes proving people wrong is enough of a driver. I look at you now and I think, you know what, you are so determined that whether it was real estate or like fashion, any industry you'd gone into, if someone underestimated you, I feel like you would have gone, I'm going to go to the top of this ladder and I don't care what the ladder is. (laughs) But that's in itself. It is. It's like the moment people tell me that I can't do something, I kind of like that I just, it is my driver to just get moving. I remember when I was at school, my dad told me this the other day and he said, you're always competitive. Because he said, I used to make him after school take me to an oval in Blacktown. And I used to do my homework. And then it was seven o'clock at night. I used to make him time me around the oval to see how fast I could get, you know, and because I wanted to win the trophy at the end of the year, the sports thing. And, and, and I did, you know, but it was just that sheer determination that there were people that were faster, that were better. But I was just so determined to show that I could. I think it's not necessarily always about winning. It's about just knowing that I've put my absolute best into it and that I've given my all. And yeah. even with listings that I go for now, you know, like the, you could believe in social media, even the show, like you think that we're winning all the time. And that's just not true. But the point about being a good winner is that you have to learn to be a good loser as well. And be gracious in that as well. And I think maybe some of the boys that we've seen aren't so gracious at losing because they want, it's the ego that doesn't want them to acknowledge that they've got competition and God forbid the competition is a girl, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's like I've never gone up against you. I'm like, yeah, you have. 
And sometimes I win, sometimes I lose. But the whole the whole thing is that your losses also define you equally as your wins, right? Because this is how you learn. Like when I lose, I'll call up the the owner and I say, "Thank you for you know being honest with me. Is there anything I could have done differently?" Because mm. that is constructive criticism, rather than glass over it and say, "Oh no, no, no," you know that silly owner or whatever. It's learning what parts of you need to get better. And then working on those because we're all a work in progress still. After 30 years, I still want to keep on learning. So I've actually listened to quite a few interviews of you talking about why you think you were able to make it so far, become the best in your business, literally from answering an advertisement in a newspaper of all things for a PA to the director, not even to be in real estate, but to be doing the assisting to the person who is in real estate. And the two things that really seem to stand out is taking ego out of the equation and being willing to seeing setbacks as an opportunity rather than as a reason to not keep going. But also you you were mentioning before about loyalty, how, you know, it's hard in this faster paced world to, to have much loyalty, but that you've always nurtured relationships because you know, the seller in this situation might be the buyer next time and that that longer term view of nurture, never going just for the quick win, but realizing it's being gracious in the harder moments as well to be memorable. And that's something I don't think people think about that much, but it seems that you've lasted this long in this industry because, you know, nurturing those relationships has been so important. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with a bit of humility. You know, I think the problem with social media and and the society we find ourselves in, it's so based on ego and, you know, life is edited, you know, so you just see the fabulosity. It's not real. (laughs) It's not real. And, you know, no one wins all the time. Nobody. And you learn from your losses. You have to learn to be humble. Some of the best sports people in our world today and eras gone past have been humble. They know mm. that they're on the court or game day. They have to be their best self. They have to believe that they're a tiger. But the work that comes before that is learning about what the baseline is, what makes you you when you're really low, what pulls you out of that because that's the fire. That's the fire, not posting on social media like it's so amazing. It's just all it's bullshit, you know, and I think what I I know for me being a mum, like I want a better world for my kids. I don't want them to grow up thinking this is real because it's not. I want mm. to learn and be able to decipher what's real, what makes you happy is not necessarily what's out there. You're going to find it in here. And that's mm. the fuel that drives you. You've got positive fuel and negative fuel. We want to use the positive fuel because that drives you further, drives you longer and harder, but eventually it makes you happy and happier. It's not the money that's going to do that for you. It's how you get there and what you do with it. When you get there, that's going to be and give you the happiest you, you know, and that's what I've been striving for because I don't need to be the person that drives the fanciest car Where's the fanciest watch or has the most listings or has the most followers? I just want to know in myself that I'm here because it's the happiest version of me I can have. And yeah. whatever anyone else thinks, that's their business, not mine. I love that so much. I think something we also get very preoccupied with as well as the comparison and being pulled in so many different directions is the fixation on planning on knowing where we're you know we tend to see success as like this destination that you have to get to and then when you arrive there you'll be happy but I mean 
everyone I've spoken to on this show so far, at most points in the pathway, they actually haven't known what's coming next. And I think sometimes if you plan too hard, you don't make room for all the unplanned things that could be, you know, even better than you ever imagined that might land in your lap. And I don't imagine that when you first started, you knew that you were going to be on TV. Like, I feel like things unravel in unexpected ways. So if you were giving advice to anyone earlier in their career about how to know what the next chapter is and how to just be open, like how did Lux Listing Sydney come about? How did you position yourself for that kind of thing? How do you deal with uncertainty and how do you keep striving when you don't necessarily know what's coming next? Isn't that interesting? So meditation has helped me a lot. Um, first of all, you don't get anywhere in life without setting goals, right? So you have to set goals because you need to know where it is you want to go. The most beautiful thing about living the life that we live, if you're open to it, is you don't know where the journey is going to take you. So you have your goals, but also you have to be open to this thing called life that takes you on unexpected twists and turns, and you have to be open to different situations as they present themselves to you. And so this is actually a really funny joke where, you know, this guy, I think he was at the side of the road, and he says, he's hanging from a tree, and there's fire beneath him, and he's saying, God, give me a sign, give me a sign. And he, he sees the sign going past saying, let go. And he's like, oh, <laughs> give me another sign. Do you know what I mean? I want a different one. <laughs> yeah, I don't want that sign. And sometimes you have to look for the signs and accept that, okay, it's not what you want it to be but maybe it's it's going to take you somewhere where you didn't expect to go. And I never started this journey thinking I want to be on TV. Just mm. that was never in my thing. And even when they came to me, I was like I was really reticent because my career has been pretty good. I didn't want to be in a bitchy reality show and I was scared that there was going to be that essence of all reality shows that I've seen that I just didn't want to be a part of. It's not part of my spiritual emotional or mental journey, and they're all fine, but not for me. Mm. So the guys from Amazon met with me and they assured me that what they wanted as a show would be inspirational and aspirational, and for the most part they've done that. Obviously you've got to have drama, but I try and stay out of that because it's not my thing. Like I would rather be, rather than sitting on a boat drinking champagne with other real estate agents, I would be home with my kids or walking along the beach, you know, and I've said that openly because I don't enjoy it. I know it's not my thing and it doesn't make me feel happy and good for them if that's what they want, it's not for me. And so I think you have to be open in life to different twists and turns that your life takes you, as we were talking before, and appreciating those moments, you know, and, Mm. and, and seeing where those moments takes you. But having your goals in mind, like I know that I've always wanted to live where I'm living. I know in my head that I always wanted to have, you know, three children and I've always known that. And part of my journey was taking me from where I was, which was married with one child, to getting myself to a place where I was single with two children and now single with three children. It was a conscious decision and it was a hard one. And it was a difficult journey and a lot of people didn't understand it, including my mum and dad. They're like, what are you doing? But I knew I had to get there for my own personal happiness. And I always say people can judge and there was a lot of judgment. But for me, in my mind, I knew that that was in my heart, my journey that I had to take and I had to take that one alone. And I said this the other day, I've never felt such deep 
happiness because the work that it's taken to get me from where I was to here, it is so fulfilling. And it's kind of like when you get there, as you were saying before, it's just, wow, it's taken me a lot of work to get here. And here I am in this moment is beautiful. And it's, it's obviously we always talk about what next, what next, what next. But part of life is also to be able to sit here and appreciate mm. the moments and say, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful. Rather than what's someone else doing or let's look on social media to see who we can keep up with, it's like I'm okay with where I am right now and it's not somebody else's journey, it's mine and I appreciate that this is where we are. So, Oh, that's so beautiful and I think that is such a unique philosophy in this day and age to be. Our tendency is so quickly to put people in boxes, like we need to understand where they fit and one reason why, I mean, we're season three of Lux Listing Sydney is about to come out Everyone listening is on Prime Video from September 30. And I think one of the reasons why you've captured like the nation so much is because just when you think you've sorted you out, like high-flying real estate mogul, star of the TV show, literally like the leading real estate agent in the country is a woman, is a mother, is a mother of soon to be three (laughs) and a single mother. But then you think, oh, well, she's going to be really career-driven, but then you're so balanced about family time. So I think you're quite a breath of fresh air in a world. It's also a very male-dominated world that is very flashy, but then you kind of, you go in, you do your work, you work the long days, but then you've got your Tuesday at home with the kids like it just (laughs) it's so different to the approach that most people take in this industry how have you figured that out for yourself how have you particularly for any working mums listening whether single mums or otherwise it's really hard to go against the grain in any area but particularly a male-dominated area that is very cutthroat the hours aren't conventional there are big dollars at stake as well how have you you know, carved out what's important for yourself and not got caught up in the glitz and glam and the the sort of hamster wheel yeah. of the industry. It is a conscious effort because you can't get caught up in that so easily. And I was caught up in that in my 20s. I would have been a terrible mum if I was a mum in my 20s because I was really caught up in it and trying to keep up with everybody. And and then you get to a point where you realise that it's it's not real, it's bullshit. Sorry, my French, but, you know, <laughs> I just I realised that it's it's not making me happy, you know, and it's not always all about the money. Like what I felt was that I really liked dealing with people and I enjoyed my job and I enjoyed making relationships and I found that people were coming to me authentically because I was enjoying myself, enjoying my work. But what changed for me was that I made a conscious decision to be single I started meditation, I started deep therapy, I started digging into the why or the yay as you call it, you know, it's just what is making me tick, what is is going to give me, and it's not happiness, I think it's more contentment because you can't be happy all the time, right, what is fueling me. And since I have done this over the last four or five years, my business has just exploded in a wonderful way, like probably 50% more efficient more dollar productive because you know I used to think vulnerability was an awful word it's like weak you know but it's not and to share my journey with people in an honest way has helped so many people clients friends people relate and say oh someone feels what I'm feeling you know rather Mm. than this bravado it's like we are all just human 
and we have our lows and we have our highs and gosh isn't it nicer to share them and empathize rather than judge you know and that's really been the thing and so yeah you know sometimes I get judged for being women or uh, taking my Thursdays Fridays off work because I spend them with the kids and and I'll say to any of the people that say that to me oh the boys say you're doing this and that I say okay Tell me one of those boys exchanging contracts at 11 o'clock at night up to waking up at 5.30 in the morning, looking after the kids all day, working a full day, putting the kids to sleep. I'm here in your house tonight exchanging this contract. Where are the boys? <laughs> and I keep on saying results speak louder than words. So don't look at what I'm doing with my children. Spend a day in my shoes and then see yeah. if you can still operate at my level after 30 years. And I'm not saying that to be disrespectful. I'm saying just respect the process and respect everybody who works differently. And rather than try and pull down your competition, acknowledge it. Say, hey, well done, right? Because when we help others rise, we all benefit. But I will never talk badly about my competition because I kind of think it just brings me down to their level. Yeah, so let them be those guys that do that. I won't do that, but I will show you my results and they will speak for themselves. And most times they do. And I think one of the things that's been really great about Lux Listing Sydney as well is that like sometimes, I don't know why, but real estate agents can get a bad rap. Like there's a lot of misconceptions around the industry and often your exposure is only what you see in your own personal hunt for property or what you see through families. But it's kind of, it kind of shows a little bit more of the industry. So for anyone who hasn't watched it or even for anyone who has, for you personally, what's been your favourite part of of the show, of like ex- exposing your job, of being able to have a platform where you can show that you don't have to do it this hardcore, aggressive, masculine way. You know, you, you can find a nice balance. What have you loved the most about the show? What are some of the, the the highlights, the coolest properties you've been in, some of the tips and tricks from behind the scenes, like anything you can dish up about, about the show that gets people excited? You know, one of my favourite scenes is in season three. I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but it is in season three and it runs through one of my auctions. And I love auctions. I love them. And it's very real and it's what happens. It's what makes it exciting as well. But also... I think what it also shows is that, you know, we're, we're all, I've been in auctions myself where I've gone crazy and I've been way above what I should have been because I got so emotionally attached to the property <laughs> and it's even happened to me. So you put yourself in other people's shoes and you see how easily it's able to happen to them and you think, oh, God. You know, and that, I think that's the experience where because I'm 50, I have done, you know, this since I was 20. And so I've bought and sold properties, I've been in people's shoes, whereas a lot of the young guys, they haven't done that. They don't have the experience to empathise with people, you know, putting their hard-earned and stretching themselves to get the home that they want. So I love that. That's one of my favourite parts of season three and of the show. And also, obviously, I love the parts where we're showing these amazing houses and you're seeing Sydney at her very, very finest. A show like this has not been done before. And it's just been an absolute blast because I didn't think it was going to be as good as what it is. And when you see it, it's so, so beautiful. But one of the things I'm most proud of is that it actually talks about, and I can say this for my part anyways, is that there's a lot of hard work that's done behind the scenes. And I constantly say it, like it's not just about selling multi-million dollar properties. It's about making good relationships with people, being genuine, 
being authentic and and being real because this is what we're striving for these connections every day and to be able to say to people it's not I'm not on the boat shipping champagne after every <laughs> I'm coming back and making phone calls. I'm doing really unglamorous things behind the scenes. You're only getting the icing on the cake. I guess it's like social media as well. You're only seeing the fancy bits. You don't see the hard yards that go in before that, which is decidedly unglamorous. Yeah, I think that's the other thing people do assume because, again, the only part that the average person sees of the real estate process is the like the hammer coming down, the sale, the champagne. We see the stage furniture in the house. You see the best of the best. Yeah. And you forget, like, that's not every day. There's not an auction all day every day. Like, right. as a real estate agent, you don't only do the auction bit. Like, right. there's all the shitty bits in between. Yeah, I've gone into houses. I've been raking the the, the, the the gardens. I've been sweeping the floors. I've been helping making the beds. If I, I've gone into houses where I literally have to pick up dog food in the garden. <laughs> it opens. And I'll take my heels off and I will do that because it's all part of the service, you know. And also I have to show my staff that you got to get in there and do the hard yards of stuff. And we, we get people coming to our opens that can be so rude. And I just say to my guys, you cop it, you know. Be the person that pulls kindness coals on that person's head because you don't need to play the same game, you know. And show your humility and show the fact that you're going to service them no matter what. Yeah, and my biggest high is when I take someone from being a grumpy person when they come through my open to a raving client by the end of those three, four, four week process. You know, it's like wow. And real estate agents do get a bad rap because a lot of real estate agents, sadly, I will say, can be wakers. You know, <laughs> or you know, make up lies and things. And I think, unfortunately, that has become really prevalent. And I'd love to change the conversation because there's a lot of good ones out there as well. Change the conversation and say, guys, don't forget we're all about service. Your clients can make you, they can break you as well. So there's nothing wrong with a bit of humility, but just remember we're in the service industry. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm, with that little teaser, so excited about season three now. (laughs) (laughs) How long are you filming a season? Like in the year, you know, you're also actually raising your children and doing all the work. Does it just fit in sort of seamlessly? They just sort of shadow you? Uh, Yes, nothing seamless about it. I remember one of the producers, they were really great. I said to them, you know, you finish this with me. That's your job done. But now I've got to go back and do my real job and yeah. then do my kids. And they were really good with fitting in with my, like I've got to pick my kids up at four or, you know, I've got to drop them in. And they were really good with fitting in with that because my time schedule was not always easy. But they were really good with that, you know. And it's really hard also making or making your clients feel comfortable that they're going to be in the show and how they're going to be exposed because selling a house is really quite an emotional process. Mm. And then all of a sudden you're throwing this in as well, which is on a national, international stage. You've got to be cognizant. And above all, I've said my, my client relationships are more important than me being on a show. So that comes first. And as long as we honour and respect that, then everything else will fall into place and it has. Yeah. Oh, well, wonderful. I'm so excited for September 30. I'm going to be watching it. <laughs> and now, I mean, you also ha- are fitting in a third child. And I think if there's any area where people feel like their opinion on how you live your life 
you know, that you deserve to hear it. It's motherhood. It's, you know, you'll get all sorts of judgment for everything you do. You know, you're sort of damned whatever you choose to do. But particularly as an older mother and a working mother, do you find that you get with a a platform and an audience, are you getting criticism? Are you getting people's opinions left, right and centre? And how do you block that out for any other working mums listening? Look, I've never listened to other people's opinions. Otherwise, I wouldn't be where I am today. Amazing. 20 people told me I couldn't do stuff and I was just like, okay, you're entitled to your opinion but it's not mine and it's not going to define the way I'm going to live my life. So I think age is a number. It is for me. And, you know, for me... To have the career, I feel blessed. For me to be able to be healthy enough to have my children, I feel blessed. My obstetrician said to me right at the very beginning with my first child, he said, you don't listen to anyone else except for me. Don't listen to your husband, Mm -hmm. don't listen to your friends, don't listen to Dr. Google, you just listen to me. And I'd say to him, like even this last pregnancy, I was like, can I do the city to surf? He's like, yes. (laughs) And, you know, so those kind of things, if you feel good, your children are going to feel good. Everything's going to feel good. If you feel bad, then everything will fall by that wayside as well. So I think it's just important to be good to yourself, be kind to yourself, and then all the other things will follow. Um, And so other people's opinions really don't make a big difference to the way I'm going to live my life. They don't make any difference because I know that if I'm on the right path, my own path, my spiritual, mental, physical path, everything else will fall into place. Mm. Absolutely. And that leads really nicely to the last section, which is the idea that even if you love your job, maybe even especially if you love your job, it often doesn't feel like work, which means that you forget that you need to sometimes get some distance from it to to stay creative, to to keep motivated, to get fresh ideas. And so I call this your play TA, the fact that you have to create an identity that's not work you. Just things to do that are purely for joy, whether it's, I know you meditate, is it 23 minutes a day? or three minutes in the morning and then I try and hit a session in the afternoon. But if, if the morning is religious. Amazing. What else do you do? Is there anything you let yourself do that's just, I mean, obviously as a working mum, there's not a lot of free time, but are there any sort of ways you play or things you do that just have no purpose that you allow yourself to waste time with that just bring you joy? I don't waste much time at all. Yeah, I don't I didn't <laughs> think so. <laughs> but um I, I will like I've got a yoga so so my enjoyment comes from physical exercise. So I have my trainer every Thursday morning and I've been with him for nearly fourteen years. So <gasps> he's trained me through three pregnancies, Troy from Eastside Crew Hey. He's amazing. And then I've got my yoga teacher, Christian Lawson. So he'll come to the house on Friday mornings and he will do yoga with me and my little one, Nava. I was <gasps> really, really cute, yeah. And she loves it. She's like, can you turn me upside down? Um, and she can do the bridge and she can all do these poses and she loves it. So those are things that I get enjoyment from. I love reading. I mean, you put me in the sun with a good book. I am literally in heaven. I have a masseuse that comes over to my house every Tuesday night and gives me a massage after the kids have gone to bed. So those are things that, while they're not, you know, time-wasting things, they're also things that give me deep enjoyment. Mm. I'd love to have a few days where I didn't move and sat in the sun and read a book and had massages and facials, but that's not my life, you know. And I've only got the kids, they're, they're little for just such a small period of time and I just want to make the moments count, you know. So, you know, I had a friend that had a, a brain tumour and they're 50, you know, and you don't know 
you know, you don't know where life's going to take you. And so while I'm all for, you know, obviously having your quiet time, which we all need, I'm not going to be defined by work. And by the end of my life, no one's going to remember how many houses I've sold. They won't care. But they'll remember how I made them feel. My kids will remember that I was always there for them no matter what. And those are the things that I want to be remembered for. And the houses, I'm going to I'm gonna sell these anyway because I love my job. I love, love, love my job. I love making the calls and everything. But equally and more so, it propels me to be able to give my children, my family, a good life and that we can enjoy things on. Like we went to Centennial Park yesterday and I had the girls riding around in their bikes and we played charades and then we had Mr. Whippy ice cream. It <laughs> literally cost us nothing. It literally cost me $10 to get three Mr. Whippy ice creams. That was it. So, you know, sometimes the simple things in life are the things that make you most happy and they're free. Absolutely. I think it's usually those things that probably give you more internal contentment than the big grand gestures. And I love that you read. I love reading so much. It's just such an escape. Are you a fiction, nonfiction? What are your genres? I love Taken Away. I love, I like the, the romance. I like the thrillers, the crimes, you know, I could read a book one night, two nights would take me to read a book if I was really deep into it rather than watch a show or Netflix before I go to sleep, I'll read because it will also help me relax. But there's some also amazing books as well, like The Road Less Traveled and those deep books that you have to be in the right state of mind to read them so the message go in. And sometimes it takes me six months to read one of those books. But the page turners, you can get through them in a couple of days, you know, which I love about holidays because when the kids will go to sleep, I'll be there reading my book and I'm like, I've got to just finish this page. It's like 12 o'clock at night. I'm like, I'm going to be tired tomorrow, but I just need to finish it. (laughs) That's when you know you've got a good book. (laughs) I know. The page turners, they call page turners for a reason. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Something you said just before about the idea that, you know, you will never get to the end of your life and wish that you spent more time at work and less time with your family and that you sold more houses, but people will remember how you made them feel. My favourite quote ever is that Maya Angelou quote, that people will never remember what you said or did. They'll always remember how you made them feel. Is there a favourite quote that you have that sticks out to you as representing your philosophy? You know, I've got the the, the book on little people, big dreams, and Maya Angelou is in that book. And I have a whole section of those books. I think I've got about 20 of them, Amelia Earhart, Mother Teresa. I read them to my girls and they love them. They're their favourite books because it's about people that found their passion even despite incredible odds. And isn't that a great lesson for us to be teaching our little people today? It's about finding the things that make you happy. And my favourite quote, actually, I had a Nelson Mandela quote that I used for years and years, and then I came across this about three months ago. I think I was in Hawaii with the kids, and it's this. It's not only children, and I I print them up and I put them on my wall here and also my wall at the office at, at home. It's not only children who grow, parents do too. As much as we watch to see what our children do with their lives, they are watching us to see what we do with ours. I can't tell my children to reach for the sun. All I can do is reach for it myself. Oh, my gosh. And it's just when I think of my children, I think about how I want my life to look. That quote is just, it's there. I put it on my wall in the office and I put my wall at home because I want to remember 
that that is, you know, our children are looking at us. And, you know, you can't tell someone to do something if you're not actually doing it yourself. And so I look at that and I see I want to see the sunshine from the inside of me and your children see that and they want to emulate it and they can be good role models for themselves and for the people around them. And isn't that the best gift we can give? And it's free. Oh, that's a lovely one. Mm. Thank you so much, Delene. Thank you for not only being such an incredibly inspiring woman out there, just smashing life, but for giving me your time and energy and such beautiful messages to take away today. Thank you, Sarah. It's been fun. Thanks for having me. I can't wait for season three. I have actually one last question. For all the people who are obsessed with Lux Listing Sydney, for the house interiors, the inspo, the just, oh, my gosh, some of the houses you walk through. Yeah. Are there any things that are really on trend in housing? And are there any things that you walk in and you're like, ugh? Lots. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, a lot of them in houses that I'm selling. So what, oh. it's funny because you you have to go in. Like I remember I was selling this house and it was just one of the ugliest houses I've ever seen. I was like, how am I going to sell it? And this is the professionalism you actually have to bring to the table because it's not about you. It's about you giving that person a service. And he said to me, what do you think about the house? I was like, it's really unique. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great word Ooh, it's different I remember when I was doing the follow-up calls right because we listed it and whatever and I was doing the follow-up calls and I spoke to this guy and he goes my wife really likes it and I was like yeah it's amazing isn't it and then <laughs> you know like we exchanged contracts it was a big price within a couple of days because there is a lid for every pot and so what we think is on trend for one person is not necessarily on trend for another. And that's the thing. Our society shifts and shapes just like water. And you kind of have to be a bit of a comedian because it's not hard and fast rules. It's going with what you like, Sarah, versus what I like. So everybody is individual. And what I love about our society now is that there's more space for us to speak up about our individualism and say, I don't like what you like, but it's okay to like what I like. And it's acceptance. We have we, we're quite brave actually in our society now. Just go, hey, this is who I am, and I'm not making any apologies for it. And it should be more of that. And once we have those people accepting it, like my style could be really quirky and weird. That doesn't mean <laughs> it's right or wrong. It's just me. And I think that's the things with real estate and the houses that we're selling. And you have to appreciate the selling attributes. And even if you don't like other stuff, it's not about what you like. It's about finding that person that fits, that is that lid for that pot and then making them pay a lot of money for it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I am writing that down right now. There is a lid for every pot. That applies perfectly to this show as well, the idea that even in your career paths or your life choices. Dating, real estate, everything. Right. Yeah. It's universal. You, you totally think that you need to fit the mould that other people are imposing on your pathway, but you've just got to find the lids that suit you. Right. And, you know, I was talking to there's so many girls that I speak to and we brought up with mums that say that you define your level of success is when you're going to get married, when you're going to have kids, when you do this. Mm. And you know what? Let's break that mould. It's not the definition of happiness that we need to aspire to. It's you make your own life, you know, like I've got a sperm donor, an anonymous sperm donor for my third child. And that's not what you learn when you're a kid about how you should live your life and what's accepted. But bugger that. 
Well, why can't we make our own rules? Why can't we run to our own agenda? Who's there to tell us what happiness looks like other than us? Right? And so why don't we embrace that dialogue and say, this is my life, I'm going to own it, and I'm going to make it the happiest version that I can make. And it doesn't have to be your version, but I want to be accepted for living my life on my terms. And even if you don't accept me, that's fine, but I'm still going to do that. I think if we can teach that to girls and boys and just it's okay to be you, just be the best version of you, wouldn't we just be a lot happier? Oh, my gosh. It would be such a yay-filled society. Oh, yay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Delene. This has been wonderful, and I can't wait to catch you on Season 3. Well, I might be a lot lighter after Season 3. When it launches, I think a few – well, I mean – I'll definitely have the baby by then, so I wouldn't stand. I'm going to miss the actual launch, but it's going to be exciting nonetheless on a whole bunch of different levels. Oh, congratulations. We'll be following very keenly. Thank you. Nice to chat, Sarah. (laughs) I don't know about you guys, but I was seriously inspired by Delene and her refreshing attitude towards age, success, parenthood, and hard work. If you enjoy listening, please, as always, share the episode tagging at Delene Lewis and us so we can keep growing the neighborhood as far and wide as possible. I haven't been as active on socials in recent weeks, but I'm back on the ground and I'm always so grateful when the neighborhood interacts. So please, Please never hesitate to send over your thoughts, requests for guests or themes for us to cover and anything and everything in between. I'm heading off on the next three stops of the Keep It Cleaner tour as well this weekend. So maybe I will get to meet some of you in Adelaide, Auckland or Perth over the coming weekends with Steph and Laura also returning for a new episode which has been, I think, four years since their original episode in December 2018 in just a few days. So stay tuned for that. I hope you're having an amazing week and a seizing your yay.